I want to push into a couple of other things. Let me check with you guys. At this point, I think the negative impact of insecurity on the individual and the organization should be fairly obvious. Can we agree on that? Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The inescapable truth we must all face is the long-term viability and success of every human entity will be determined by this. The capacity to build a healthy relationship culture, one with intimate rather than insecure attachments. Creating this type of culture, and this is important, poses a spiritual challenge for everyone. Since most of us begin life building insecure relationships, most of us start out life at some point, like Mike and I were talking about earlier, you get hurt early and then you become defensive a bit about being hurt again. And so most of us start out life building insecure relationships. And there must at some point be a transformation from insecure to imminent relationship building. For this to occur, each of us must turn to God. So there's this turning to God where you say, you know what, I, I realize that this person can't meet my need. I think that's the big turning point where you go, no human being, no wife, no friend, no employer, no human being can deal with this stuff that's going on inside of me. Each of us must turn to God to answer those existential questions. And here are those three existential questions. Who are we? Why are we here? And are we worthy of being loved? And I want us to talk about that in just a minute. So here are the existential questions. If you're sitting there, if you're driving and you want to pull over and stop or you want to record it on your little uh, device, the existential questions that have to be answered for insecurity to be defeated. Who are we? Why are we here? And are we worthy of being loved? Number one, who are we? Why are we here? And are we worthy of being loved? Here's a great scripture. Psalm 139, 23. Explore me, O God, and know the real me. Dig deeply and discover who I am. Put me to the test and watch how I handle the strain. You know what scripture that's like? Hebrews 12. Mm. God training us and teaching us. The, the psalmist says, look, God, I want you to know the real me. Get in here, dig it out, find it out. Now, we talked about those three existential questions. Let's break it down so that you have a word that you can put on that or a concept you can put on that. And then we're going to close out talking about these three existential questions. When we discover who we are, we find our identity. When we discover why we are here, we find our purpose. When we discover we are worthy of being loved, we experience intimacy. What do you think about those three questions as a pathway to get to security with God and security with people? I think those questions are great questions. I think those questions uh, I've personally kind of felt are, at least at this moment in time, kind of unanswerable because I have, I've been too afraid to face them and to seek out the answer and then possibly maybe not like the answer that I get from God or... Um, or be disappointed, or be left kind of wanting. I guess maybe to back to what we talked about, the rejection. Yeah. Like, I'm just afraid of asking that question and being rejected, especially the, um, are we worthy of being, am I wor- worthy of being loved? Right. You know, because it's like, that's the, if you get rejected there, that's the ultimate rejection. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> would do it. I have a good job, but nobody loves me. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I think those are great questions for people to dive into, for myself to dive into. Do we? Do, do, can, do, 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 they, do, you, do you feel like emotionally it's, you can take those questions seriously, or do they seem so, so, so philosophical they're too far away to obtain uh, and, and get your head around? I, I, I don't. I think they're great questions. I, I think that these are questions that everybody 
deeply wants but is afraid to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody that the, these identity, purpose, and intimacy are the things that make life valuable and meaningful. And yet, I think that there's some of the difficult ones for us because they mean make they they would require that we have to deal with things deep in our hearts. And I think that's the heart. That's the scary part. Um, I think particularly the whole idea of being worthy of being loved. I think that that rejection issue is really uh, a big for everybody. I, I think for me, um, you know, purpose brings inspiration. And yet at the same time, um, I think we're afraid uh, to discover that maybe I'm not living purposely. Yeah. And then I have to change something. Yeah. And well, think about this. Did any of you guys like Halloween? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's okay. good. My first costumes for Halloween, I, I only was really into Halloween until I was about 12, I think. Then I started getting into basketball, and I was like, I don't want to, I'd rather go shooting or I'll hand out the candy and eat candy on Halloween, but I'm not going out and getting dressed up because I thought I'm an NBA player. I'm going to be an NBA player. That's my identity. But prior to that, I wanted to be Superman and Batman, and one time I was Aquaman. All right? I wanted to be a superhero. But by the time I got older, I was like, wait, superheroes aren't real. And I was like, I want to be an NBA player. So I was sort of changing my identity. Halloween's a funny thing because it it sort of gives you an idea of when you see little kids, especially because we have a big trick-or-treating thing in our neighborhood where like 500 kids come through our neighborhood. It's like a select – it's like a neighborhood that was – it's an old neighborhood that was selected a long time ago for – for being safe to trick-or-treat in. So eventually all kinds of people bring their kids through. But you see these little kids come up in all these uniforms, and they're so, or these customers are so incredible. And you see about, it's funny because I remember this when I was a kid, you see about 50 firemen uniforms. <laughs> and I'm like, what is it about firemen? And, and they're all boys, all little boys wearing firemen costumes. What is it about firemen that everybody wants to be a fireman? But as I look at the kids, I go, each one of them, you see something of their identity in the costume they pick. Yep. It tells you something about them. To me, that's why identity is so important. But the important part about identity for us spiritually is identity is something no one can take away from you. Hmm. True identity. That's why your job can't be your identity. That's why your awards can't be your identity. Anything that can be taken away from hmm. you is not an identity. And identity is the core and the essence of who you are. It's you saying, I know I am this. This is what I'm meant to be. This is why I'm here. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it got me thinking of like in college because I, I was a terrible student and I've failed a ton of classes. And I I remember I almost got kicked out like twice, but like they, I bounced around to four different majors, like declared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I kept failing out. Right. And I remember it was incredibly stressful because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Right. And I yes. keep, I'm, the, the clock is running out. Yes. You know, and so that... And I saw, and I see how these connect through that example, right? Because your purpose, what am I supposed to do, right? Like what's, what's my reason for being here? And yes. so it's like, it was all sort of tied together. And so I was experiencing like panic because I'm like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm, yes. what I'm going to do when I get out of here. Right. I don't know what am I going to be in like six months, let alone 10 years. Yes. You know what I mean? So it was all this incredible insecurity and, you know, I got some guidance at the 11th hour the provost kind of bailed me out and said, hey, why don't you take this freshman writing class? Your senior hasn't taken basic writing. And yeah. I did, and I got my first A. And she's like, see, you're supposed to be doing this. Stop doing all that accounting. Like, you're not, that's not you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So you were doing ended, accounting. 
Man, I, I got literal F in accounting. Yeah, yeah, you're not, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't strike me as the accounting type. I was doing like, uh, yeah, like information systems management, ah, e- you economics. Could be, I, could see you being that. I mean, maybe if I go back and some things with Did better character. Did you ever character. think about studying music? No, because I thought that no, I wouldn't be able to get a job. And guess what? That's the exact reason I wasn't an English major. Oh, yeah. See, I think part of the problem is, is it's true that if you take the wrong major, you can end up not getting a job and all that. But there are people, what is it, uh, Carly Fiorina, who ran for president and ran HP, I believe she studied medieval literature. <laughs> wow. And she did better than we did. <laughs> <laughs> Landed I, the HP job. It, it, and part, yeah, because part, part of it is, and I, I love what you're saying here, because that, that, I didn't remember this, so you just said it. That's part of what I went back and looked at my sense of identity. So when I went to school, I went, okay, well, I wanted to go into politics, but I also went, I want to have a major that projects I'm really smart. That's important. And so that's what I mean by when you get confused about your identity, you start trying to project something instead of being true to yourself. Right, right. And I think that does usually lead to grades that are, you know. Well, at least to a lot of wandering, right? Because I was like, I was just stumbling from one class to the next with no, I didn't have like the, hey, even conceptually, what is a major? Like, what does it mean to go into college and, and you know what and I mean? And think about if people are that way spiritually. Right. If they're wandering spiritually because they don't have any sense of identity, so they're just going to church, showing up at the event. You know, they're there for attendance. I think I write in the paper we'll be releasing, they're going for attendance, not attachment. Well, and even the idea that you can be strong in certain areas, weak in certain areas, so this is your path. Yes. You know what I mean? I think that's a spiritual parallel as well. Yes. Right? So Because yes. I can look at the sort of spiritual guy archetype, right, and go... I'll stress out because I'm like, I'm not going to be that. That's right. right. Instead of understanding, like there's a it's very multifaceted, there's a lot of ways you can go. And it's got to be a team. And that goes into, if you're looking at your 10 years plan for your church and you're saying, where's our church going to be for 10 years? If you don't have a team of people with complementary skills, right. complementary interests, complementary personalities, you don't want them to all be the same way. A diversity of color, a diversity of ethnicity, a diversity of culture, where people on your team have grown up in different places. Sometimes people go, well, you know, you got to send out all the people that are from other countries to go to other countries. Well, no, you don't because our country's a melting pot. And so you actually want to have somebody who's French. We're fortunate. You want to have somebody who's French on your staff. You want to have somebody who grew up in, 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 in a Latin American country or who grew up in a, uh, uh, in, in a, a Pacific, uh, Asian, uh, mm-hmm. Pacific Rim country. Pacific country. Yeah. You want to have that because you want to have different perspectives and different thoughts, but you can't have a team unless everybody's identity is appre- known and appreciated. And so when you get that identity, you get that purpose. When you get those on straight, believe it or not, you become more secure that you can be loved because you go, I am this person. And this is who I am. And I'm not going to, I'm going to change my life and become better, but I'm not going to change my identity. Right. So it's one thing to change your life. It's another change your identity. There's a, a, a movie called Lean on Me, one of Morgan Freeman's early movies. It's a high school movie where he's, I think, Joe somebody, a, a principal in Washington, D.C. that cleaned up a high school, became really famous for it. And uh, Morgan Freeman played him in a movie. And uh, at one point, Morgan Freeman ends up in jail. Uh, and because of the way he's handled something, I can't remember. It's been a long time since, since you know, since the since chains on the, the doors to keep the bad guys. Oh out. yeah, he put chains, chains on, on the, the doors, doors to keep the criminals and the the drug guys out of his school, so they couldn't sell drugs and cause problems. And so they put him in jail for it. And uh, one of his uh, friends or lawyers comes in and says, "You know, 
Joe, you, it's, you, you got you to gotta apologize. You got to do this. You got to do that. And he laid down on the bed in his jail cell and said, no, I don't. All I've got to do is stay black and die. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that line because not that I want anybody to be thinking about dying, but I remember that line because that is the essence of having clarity about your identity. Right. It's no matter what someone says to you, you go, yeah, I can change my opinion about whether I like the Lakers or the Warriors, but I can't change my identity. We can debate Beatles, John Legend, Bruce Springsteen, but neither one of us can change our part of our identity. We, we, if, if, and so if you find you can constantly change yourself like a chameleon, you have no identity. If you're always changing your belief systems and your conviction, you have no identity. And I think that's essential in order to be able to get out of insecurity because once you get your identity, even if no one loves you, you go, you know what? I know what my destiny is. And that's what kept Winston Churchill going. And we're going to do a podcast on another podcast about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill had an identity. He dreamed, he believed that he was meant to be used. And he didn't believe in God, really. He believed he was meant to be used to save England at some point. He believed that. And that's why when he became, became prime minister, he said, it was as though I saw all of my life that existed before me had been to bring me to this moment in time for this purpose. It was as though I had been walking with destiny. And I think that's what it means to have a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. And when you get there, whether two people like you or 2000, you feel loved because you're who you are. Yeah, I think, too, having uh an understanding of your identity helps you appreciate the other people on the team because uh, you value you can value what they bring and not try to be them because yeah. you know who you are. That's right. I, I, I get challenged a lot to just stay in my lane, you yes. know, find your lane and stay in it. And when you're insecure, you're constantly running out of your lane, trying to be in everybody else's lane. And you can't admire all the qualities and good the other team members bring to the table. So and it's, a, it's a, a very challenging life to live. Discoveries of identity and purpose come from God, as well as the experience of the unmatched, unconditional love of which only he is capable. These anchor us in good times as well as bad when the unpredictable and uncontrollable storms of life arrive, always allowing us to say and literally sing, Mike, <laughs> with the psalmist in chapter 30 and verse 6. When I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. What does it say? Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. As long as we can be close to God, as long as we can be right with God, be aware of our identity, our purpose, be confident of his love, it makes us secure enough to get married and not be unstable and unsettled because our spouse may not be favoring us at that day. It allows us to be able to be a part of a team. It allows us to make friends with anybody and everybody, regardless of background, color, culture, ethnicity, opinion. It allows us to become something truly unique. We really hope that you'll take some time over the months, weeks, and months to come as we begin to deliver more and more thoughts and ideas and insights and biblical studies about this to look at the subject of insecurity 
and its multifaceted sort of um, reach um, and uh, and depth and height. And as you do it, that you'll go out there and, and get your friends or get your house church to say, let's really tackle this and let's really get into this and let's uh, uh, work hard at this. Um, we'll be posting uh, the article uh, coming up this week and uh, and hopefully you'll be f- hearing from us more on more podcasts. And Cameron's been listening in and he'll be uh, crafting some hopefully uh, teen specific YouTubes to talk about these issues of insecurity. We're about to make a really hard and strong run. We hope you'll keep supporting us and joining us and, and, and listening and thinking about these things. And for your reading uh, for this uh, particular week, if you're looking for something, chapter 30 to chapter 39, Book of Psalm, great set of passages to look at insecurity on. Another great person to study, I believe, starting in Judges chapter 6, is a great study on Gideon. Go back and do a great study on Gideon, because what does God do to Gideon when Gideon's hiding? His angel comes to him and says, oh, mighty warrior. And then Gideon goes, wait a minute, I'm not a mighty warrior. And he has this whole identity transformation that takes place. It's incredible. And finally, go back again and look at 1 John. Uh, ESV translation has a journal Bible. You can just go online, probably Amazon, and order just the 1 John volume. And it has a little little part on the right side to write and the text is on the left side. And go back through that and do a study because 1 John is fundamentally a book about love. But if you look at the undergirding of 1 John, it's about security because one of the big things he's telling them is you can be secure that God is going to save you. You can be secure that God loves you and you need to make each other secure by loving each other. So there's some good homework for you to do to get you into it. We've only just begun with these. Thanks a lot for listening to Despirituality. Hopefully Mike and Nathan will stop uh, getting on my case for not (laughs) delivering them. And uh, we'll give you some sweet justice as you work toward being a better and more spiritual person like we're trying to do. Have a good one.